Hey everybody and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and that makes this another The Last of Us bonus episode to talk all about what might be the saddest thing I've ever experienced on TV. Um, Kate, welcome to our episode three recap. Have you recovered? Uh, no, I have not recovered either emotionally or on the scoreboard because we're still keeping track. And uh, The Last of Us is now, we were tied last episode, um, but they're now up a point on the two to one have I cried <laughs> throughout the episodes uh, <laughs> watching this show. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's an odd number of episodes. The tie will be broken at the end there, or if necessary. Uh, it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if the show can defeat you. Uh, in terms of how many times you'll cry. But uh, yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. This is, of course, our uh, little bonus series to recap The Last of Us. And today we're going to talk all about episode three, the one with Bill and Frank. That's right, not Bill and Frank in the past tense, Bill and Frank in the current tense, at least for part of it. Uh, And what an episode it was. So we'll talk all about that. Of course, if you want to join us for our regular content, we are usually usually a video game podcast. We come out every Tuesday, talk about the games we're playing, industry news, all the fun stuff we want to talk about every single week. So check that out if you want. Um, But today, like I said, is a recap for The Last of Us. So let's just get right into that and talk about, uh, we left off last time when when, uh, Tess had just valiantly made a big sacrifice, blown herself to smithereens and saved uh, (laughs) you know, saved Ellie and Joel uh, for the moment from that big horde of of, uh, zombies. And now we find Ellie and Joel on their journey to go and meet uh, Bill and Frank and get their assistance. So uh, that's where we we pick up with them. And, and honestly, most of this episode is not spent uh, with Ellie and Joel, which is a nice little change of pace, I found. Um, we get to spend a lot of time with Bill and and watch how he uh, is surviving the pandemic and, and what happens with him. And man, like just from the beginning, uh, what a performance. Bill Offerman is like the perfect Bill uh, he's cast just as well as Ellie or Joel or anyone else, in my opinion. He was phenomenal this entire episode. Absolutely. Like, I didn't realize who the actor was for a little bit. Um, but the second I saw him, I was like, yep, that's Bill. Like, that is so, like, unapologetically Bill. Like, down to the mannerisms, uh, the way he looked, the hair that he'd grown out. Like, it was so phenomenal uh, of a choice. And, oh, my God, like... I was not expecting this episode because it's the, probably the biggest departure from the games so far, I suppose. Not in terms of um, their rewriting how uh, the story goes, but just in terms of like, this is a huge blank spot that we don't get to experience. And so they have totally filled it in for us and kind of changed the, the obviously how it ends. Like, you know, spoilers, it doesn't work out for Bill and Frank uh, quite so well in the game. Um, but I, I really like that they decided to make this shift. And I honestly think like if they're going to do any kind of like side story, Bill and Frank are the best choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even the only choice. Um, I guess maybe like a Henry and Sam thing you could do of, of how they started out on their journey. But Bill and Frank are definitely kind of the, the ones that we we kind of are missing a lot of information from. So mm-hmm. uh, it was nice to see them flesh out here in what is potentially one of the most tragic and beautiful romances I have seen uh in a long time or ever (laughs) yeah it was it was something else you know it was it was definitely a tearjerker and that's like putting it lightly 
uh, for sure. You'd have to be a pretty cold-hearted person not to have felt anything uh, watching this episode, that's for sure. Um, and you're right, I like the way it explores their relationship more than we ever get to see in the game. I think I think it could be interesting to have more of a focus on Tommy as well for one of these episodes, to mention him mm-hmm. along with kind of the Henry and Sam situation if we got to see more. But I just love this deep dive, and I, I love the slower pacing of it. I, I'm seeing, you know, because you, you spend a decent amount of time in Bill's area in the game, and, and spoilers for the game, we will be you know, talking about any aspect of, of The Last of Us we want, just in case uh, you weren't familiar or weren't sure about that. So be careful if you haven't played the game. But, um, you know, you spend a decent amount of time at, at Bill's place, um, but a lot of it's focused on like avoiding the traps and there's some gunfights you get into. And this is a lot more of like a slice of life presentation almost of like, hey, this is the city he lives in and how he's looking after himself and how he's using his truck and, you know, taking a boat as a little wheelbarrow and driving down supplies around town and looking after the flowers and doing all his stuff. Like he really is living his best life in this pandemic. And and uh, you get to learn he's a bit of, you know, a disaster prepper and some of his weird quirks. But he's at least the, to start this episode and the way that he kind of um, is portrayed. He's like he's living. He's succeeding more than anyone else in this in this whole situation, living in his little idealistic life. And then, um, quite early on, you get to see what happens with him and Frank. And Frank shows up and his distrust at the start. And um, you know, he'd just been shut away for so long. I guess that it's it's interesting to see how he comes around to to being with another person. Exactly, and I think um, we'll maybe get into more of the specific details, but the the broader. Uh, idea of Bill as a character interests me because I always saw Bill and Joel very much as like kind of foils for each other and Bill as the like the product of what Joel would end up with if he didn't make positive changes so they both kind of have the same sort of issue where they're very like survival first and they're of the opinion that um like love is dangerous and you don't want to get attached to people because either that person's going to die, uh, which will hurt you, or they will like physically do something that hurts you. And like the only way to kind of protect yourself is to shut off that element of your life and just be alone, Um, which obviously is a horrible uh, piece of advice to give to somebody, but it is functional in the sense of like, you won't have those low lows if you don't open yourself up to love but at the same time like that's the price that you pay for you know living a life that's meaningful so bill kind of in the game we get the impression like him and frank had a relationship they were together for a while it ended poorly uh frank storms out and leaves and then ends up getting infected and hanging himself i believe is what happens and something bad something undesirable for sure yeah he leaves that suicide note for for bill like you know what i'm glad i'm dead than be than than being with you and like they end on very very horrible awful terms um there's that element of like yeah they they were together for a while like bill had that side of him and you know he eventually you know got hurt and closed himself off so i was kind of expecting that to happen when frank shows up in the game and there's that trepidation of oh god like you know what's gonna what's gonna go wrong here um but it ends up playing out differently and it's kind of almost like an alternate universe like a what if if um bill had you know been more open and had the ability to be vulnerable for frank mm-hmm. uh and it was just a delight to see and that gives me hope that like 
you know, they've set that up and now Joel's going to follow like a similar kind of path, um, but obviously in a less of a romantic way and more of in like a father surrogacy kind of way. Yeah, hopefully um, that's the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, no. <laughs> that is more horrific than any of the zombies we will see in the show. <laughs> You're damn right it is. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, and it's a slow burn with their relationship at the start too, you know, and obviously there's like a feeling out process and it's just like that shock of having run into someone else and not shot them originally, like immediately, I think, right? Because yeah. that's the stakes of this world. And and even like sneaking up, Frank originally falls in that hole and like, you know, it's one of Bill's many traps. And the way that Bill approaches and is like, you know, so hesitant about having the gun on him and all this stuff. And it, and it just shows like his growth by the end of the episode. You're right. It's just something else. And it's a mirror of what you hope happens with Joel as they continue to go forward. Um, I just got to point out too, like, so once they, once Bill and Frank get together, right. And they kind of have that initial meeting and they come inside and, and whatever. And, and Bill ends up making Frank some food and you can tell Frank has been through the shit, you know, like you don't know where he's come from. He's just kind of stumbled out of this forest or whatever. And he's just like in shambles and dirty and hungry and whatever else. And, and the way like Bill, Bill cooks this meal. It's like, a, it's a presentable meal, right? Like it's, it's, it looks Four like, star. yeah, he's seasoned it. Like he's used his professional techniques. He comes by and pours the wine with this like sommelier technique. He knows what he's doing. He for sure knows about all the tannins and the aromas. He could tell you all of it. And Frank, like the facial expression that the actor shows when he puts that plate of food down in front of him, he just gives Frank this smile or Bill this smile. And it's like the most genuine thing is if like that would be the real way this guy would look if he actually was in this circumstance. And it was just amazing the way they were able to have that sort of unspoken gratitude play out. And I think that shows multiple times throughout the way that they treat each other, even if especially with Bill, he's like very even throughout the relationship, you know, kind of rough around the edges kind of thing. But I, it shows through that just how much he cares I think, and that was the first glimpse of that sort of unspoken, um, like the the physical part part of like how their bodies are portraying the love, and like the way that they, the way that the actors do such a good job of showing it in multiple ways. I think between both of these characters. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and I I kind of like that. There's you know there is that softer side to Bill. It already exists. Um, Frank just needs to you know, show up to kind of like nourish that a little bit. Um, Cause Bill definitely starts out as like, yeah, the kind of like horrible, probably racist, like <laughs> apocalypse survivor in a basement with guns. And it's just every like negative American stereotype you can possibly mm-hmm. think of mm-hmm. is like into Bill. Um, he's, he's got a softer side too. Like he's already been collecting wines before Frank shows up and, you know, he cooks and he's um like the house is is quite aside from all the dust everywhere it's yeah, relatively yeah. ordered he, he plays he plays piano very beautifully yeah. yeah so he's definitely got that softer side and i like that frank doesn't create that in him i like that it's already there but frank is maybe like the first person in his life to encourage that and to kind of like see him for who he is because it was um well, i didn't realize but uh a read something today that pointed out that this episode like where they're doing the evacuation at the very beginning of the pandemic is like a few months before gay rights get legalized um really in the states which is horrible but it is like you know something that goes is in that time period because you'd have expected it to have been like much further back but that's where it is so um like bill obviously like 
you know, he's not the best person in the world, but he's living sort of in a product of his environment in terms of like, it probably has been a challenging life mm -hmm. for him. And Frank asked him, you know, has he ever been with anyone before? And he's like, well, like a girl once, but no, like he's never explored that side of him before. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's kind of that detail made an interesting point of context for me where like, this would be such a new experience. And Frank is maybe the first person he's actually ever shared is like himself with um yeah definitely and I, I think that's a really interesting point in a couple of ways first of all and as we were talking as we were watching the episode I think it's it's great when you see a show putting the emphasis on it it's okay to like emphasize a non non-heterosexual relationship as like a for in the forefront of a tv show like this and sure you're gonna get people online that are like making stupid comments and like whatever but those people are like you know, this is, this is just part of being, this is the way the world is, you know, like there's, it's a beautiful thing. This episode is a beautiful uh, example of what a relationship can look like. And like, I think they just did a masterful job of that. And I, on, on a more like in world context, I love the way that, that Bill and Frank are almost foils of each other in a way too. Like you're saying Frank has likely had to live this life in like a conservative portion of America where he could never be his true self in terms of his like sexual identity and he feels very mm -hmm. repressed in that way and and Frank is almost like you know he's he's a lot more accepting I think of who he is as a person like he's the one who kind of initiates everything with Bill and you know he he's also like just more unapologetically aligned to how he wants to live I think like later in the episode mm -hmm. he, he you know even though the circumstances are so dire and they're like oh you know probably scrounging around every day he wants to take time to you know make sure the flowers look nice and mow the lawn just to make sure they have a nice place to live together because he doesn't want to lose that humanity. And I think it just works so well with Bill because Bill is just so, he wouldn't do any of that stuff if he didn't need to. He would only do the disaster prepping and like everything necessary to live and all the extraneous kind of details would be forgotten slowly. So I really like the way that they, they can keep each other balanced. And uh, I, I think that shows through in this episode as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just a, a really good point to make in terms of like, it's just so real. They feel genuine. They feel like real characters. They're not the archetype that you often get when it comes to how they want to portray a, a gay character in, a, in like a homosexual relationship. Because mm -hmm. so many times, and like, I'm sure there are other shows that have done it well, and I haven't seen them because I just, I don't tend to yeah. And and we're far we're not speaking from authority in any way. Like this is obviously yeah. not a topic that we're authority on or anything like that, but it's just our our perception of it, right? And Exactly. Just in the limited experience I have that you know, in television I don't find that very many shows commit to really portraying this type of a relationship. Um, I find oftentimes you get there's the gay couple and they have like one kiss to show that they're a couple and then you know the rest of the show they're just sort of like maybe one's got their arm around the other but they don't really it's almost like they're intentionally shying away from showing too much they want enough that you know who the characters are but not too much that it, it really feels like 100% genuine and it was it's almost really like a token nice. gesture more than than an intentional yeah, part of the show exactly. right Exactly. Or, or it's like, you know, we, we were concerned there might be backlash if we, you know, delved into this a little bit deeper. So for whatever reason, I find that often um, you just don't really get the most natural and like genuine feeling portrayal. But this was the exact opposite, right? Like Frank and Bill are both totally their own character, um, both 
in connection to their sexuality and to outside of it where, you know, they've got a lot of other personality traits going on. That is they, their preference is not the only thing we know about them. Um, and yeah, they, they're portrayed in such an intimate and believable way. Like there is that awkwardness at the start and there is, you know, times where they're arguing and nothing, not things are not perfect and they are at odds with each other because, you know, it's a real relationship and that's, the kind of stuff that happens and uh, like in in normal life like let alone in the middle of an apocalypse where like mm-hmm. you live in this like, weirdo town by yourself um, <laughs> this weirdo other- town by yourself <laughs> it's so weird um but then they also have moments where they are quiet and intimate and like them sharing those strawberries together and laughing and i love that strawberry so- scene oh, oh my god it was so touching and you know even just little things like bill is not in as good a shape as frank so frank's getting him to run and bill's like i can't like i want to stop frank's like come on like one more block and it's just it's just so many little like real life moments that the characters got to share um that almost kind of takes you out of how horrible and sad and depressing the world is and does a good job of having some levity in terms of like there's still a lot worth living for there's still a lot of beauty in the world you know things are worth it uh and you know it's all gonna crumble down at the end of the episode (laughs) it sure is that's what i was gonna say is this episode for sure in my opinion had although the ending was extremely dark like depressing and like heartbreaking i think overall this episode did have the most moments of light throughout the show so far, I mean, I think back to there's the one scene where, uh, I, you know, Tess and Joel and Ellie and them are not really a huge focus in this episode. Well, Tess, Tess blew up, but she comes <laughs> back <laughs> for one scene. She comes back and they, they, it's a meeting they'd previously had where it's like Bill and and um, Frank and then Joel and Tess had come by for I guess they're setting up some kind of smuggling route or like some kind of deal. No right. Totally a double date, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, this is the weirdest, most, you know, uh, interesting double date. You'd love to be a fly on the wall if it was under regular circumstances. But uh, yeah, they're setting up some kind of, uh, you know, deal. And Frank is just so charismatic with the guests and he runs inside and he knows Frank isn't going to want to go along with whatever. I forget what he proposes, but yep. he just goes along and runs away. And you can tell Frank is just kind of fed up or Bill is kind of fed up, fed up. And at the same time, Joel is kind of sitting there too. And you can tell he doesn't really necessarily want to be there he's just trying to get the deal done and go on with his work because he just needs to get his job done that's what he's doing and this this relationship they have there's something just so funny about it when they're sitting at that table like having a glass of wine and like this the last thing that you can tell especially bill wants to do is sit there and engage with joel and joel just knows how to twist his little buttons and What's that? Phil's got his gun on the table yeah. for part of it. Frank's like, put it away, like as if like he's just got some like annoying. This is his phone, right? As if it's his phone, he's texting. Yeah, exactly. But no, he's like got a fucking gun on the table, pointed at Joel for half the lunch. <laughs> it's horrible. It's amazing, right? But yeah, it was it was a cool scene to see that, and I get. I think you also find out that um, Bill's the one sending the radio signals as well. So like when Tess was looking mm-hmm. at that, uh, or when Joel was listening to the '80s music in the the first episode and knowing if things were safe or not, it's we find out that Bill was the one giving him those transmissions, which I think is the same as in the game if they have some kind of connection, but I mm-hmm. can't remember for sure. Um, either way, it's a cool little detail to call back and just make this world tied together and fill in one of those tiny little potholes that someone could pick apart if they should so choose to do. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where you. The only time you really see 
Joel until the very end of this episode, because after this, we go back and just see more of Bill and Frank's relationship and how they kind of get older. And, um, you know, they're, they get in into some of the events of their life, I guess. And the one scene that I really liked as well was, which is a little Easter egg towards the show was later on you see, and there's, I think there's some Raiders coming in or is, is it zombies or Raiders that are coming? Raiders. Yeah. yeah. And, and you see Bill and he's just standing in the middle of the street. Like you, Frank wakes up at night and there's an alarm or some explosion going off and he's worried. And you know, Bill's, Bill's whole thing is like, Frank came into my life and I need to protect him because I love him. And he's just in the middle of the road with his sniper rifle. Like, you know, he's in the game, there's a big sniper scene and you can't really fight in the same way. And so you just see him like standing in the road, no regard for his own safety, just like firing at these guys and, and uh, all in the name of keeping Frank safe. And it's just so valiant. And, um, you know, there's some drama there, too, when he eventually gets shot. And there's that whole scene's a bit of a scary one, too. I'm sure if you haven't seen the the game, because you're going to think in that moment, like, man, Bill's going to die, right? And even in that moment, I thought, well, maybe Bill does die. Like, maybe mm-hmm. this is how their relationship, you know, falls apart. Maybe Bill is dead. And then, of course, you get the next scene of um, someone sitting outside the house in a wheelchair. And then it's like double surprise twist. It's actually Frank in the chair, not Bill, because, you know, they've grown old together. Uh, and then this is this is where you prepare the tissues on this part <laughs> of the episode, because of course they go inside and Frank has you know got some kind of disease or some condition that he's suffering from and his mobility is limited and Frank's cutting his food for him and he's they're just they're old and they're frail and yeah the, you know the garden's no longer taken care of and. The, the houses in the town are now like the paint has been chipped off and they're just sort of at the end of their days. And, you know, the, the last day that they plan together and they get married and they have the dinner and the wine and mm-hmm. oh man, like it is just so incredibly tragic, but also so loving and beautiful at the same time. Yeah, it really was something else. And I and it is it is a big departure from the game, too, because like you mentioned before, you know, in the game, it's like Frank had stormed off and they kind of spent their last days separated. And in this one, you know, you can clearly see due to his condition that Bill is or Frank has realized, you know, how many times have I said the wrong name on this episode? Jesus. <laughs> the Frank has just realized, you know, like this condition, he's got some kind of muscular dystrophy or something like he's just not able to to really do too much with his hands. Like you see him trying to get his pills and he, he can't really open his very precious Ziploc bag without. Exactly. So, <laughs> and you can see, I guess like this is just the stark reality of being in this world, right? It's like the longer you survive, you're going to get older. And, and how does one who loses their mobility survive in a world like this? Because you can't mm-hmm. afford to be in any kind of dangerous situation if you can't escape the zombies right and i think that's the the realization that they had because especially with frank or jesus here i go again with bill also getting older in fact they mentioned that bill is already older than frank anyways a few times throughout the episode i think it just kind of hit him like you know bill is gonna have enough trouble looking after himself uh as as we continue to age without pushing me around in, in this chair and you know he just was looking out for bill's well-being and then the heartbreaking twist is that they end up, or well, Cole's notes, Frank asks Bill to crush up a bunch of pills and put it in his wine so he can, you know, have one last drink. They can have a nice night together. He'll pass away in his sleep. Bill ends up being a jackass and crushing pills into his wine as well because he romantically doesn't want to live without Frank. And so it ends up being 
a complete reversal of the game. And once you hear that detail and, you know, he's, you know, Frank is like, how much, how much, how many pills did you put in that bottle? And, and Frank or Bill, Jesus Christ, Bill just replies enough to kill a horse. And it's like that moment you're like, oh my God, this is just like, it makes me think of the Titanic, you know, that family and drowning in the bed. (laughs) Like that's what it makes me think of. It's so sad. (laughs) That's such a weird reference. (laughs) I know, but like, that's, that's the saddest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it was. And yeah, like they, there's just nothing else you can say about it. Like it's just so moving. It's so touching. It's so genuine. Um, and you know, like it, it's, I don't know how it possibly could have ended better uh, for them because you know, eventually yeah. something had to happen, and you know maybe that's a nice way to go, right? With the person you love in your arms and a nice you know rabbit dinner a few hours ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> A matching dinner for the the night they first uh, ate dinner together yeah. as well, which is a lovely little touch. Yeah, um, even down to the exact same bottle of wine, I believe. Really? No, I didn't um, catch that. Mm-hmm. That would be very nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't I say they didn't so. do it right, at least, if they if they needed to go out that way. It's better than becoming a, you know, better than Tessa's fate, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. If I, if I had the option of the two, pretty easy one. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's Bill and Frank. Um, mm-hmm. And if we've survived through talking about that a second time um i think there's there's some joel and ellie a little bit of joel yeah. and ellie we get in this episode too we can maybe rapid go over yeah um so you know they do the smuggling at the cumberland farm which has the arcade cabinet that ellie wants to play desperately to uh, some world combat <laughs> so that's a ton of fun and obviously like a great reference to the ellie dlc where you know, she she desperately wants to play another arcade cabinet. Um, you get, I think, an important scene that I made made note of as well, which is really telling for Ellie's character and like how naive she is, is that she's talking to Joel and she's asking him a million questions, just kind of being an annoying kid, which is adorable. But she asks him about a scar he's got on his head. Mm. And Joel says, um, and she's, he doesn't want to tell her what it's from. And she's kind of giving him a hard time. Like, oh, I bet it's something really boring. Like if you trip down the stairs or whatever. And Joel says, no, it's actually because someone like shot at me and they missed. And, you know, they was in like the middle of a firefight. And then she's like, oh, but that's actually like a cool reason to have a, a scar. And she's, you know, kind of giving a hard time for, for not wanting to tell her because it was a cool reason. Mm-hmm. And it's such a part of Ellie's character where she is the naive one. Like we talked about this in episode one where she's kind of, you know, marveling at things that seem normal and she's only ever lived in this post-apocalyptic world. And so she doesn't have a concept of what life was like before, aside from what she's read in various books. And so it's just such a a kid thing um, to, to think that that's a cool reason to have a scar, like totally not understanding the ramifications of what that kind of situation means and how horrible that would have been for Joel at the time. Yeah, that's a good point too. And and I mean, I would say, I would argue that's almost one of the least believable little details in this show so far, because I mean, Ellie has lived her whole life in this type of environment you know like it's it's hard for me to think that she wouldn't understand the gravity of like getting shot at or like having Mm -hmm. seen a lot of gunfire in her life so i I don't know if that's like really nitpicky of me to feel like that but just hearing you explain that it feels like yeah she should be a little tougher than that or like a little bit more worldly 
given yeah. where she's at. But at the same time, yeah, it does it does go and like show you like she is a lot less experienced and she does still have some of yeah. that childlike whimsy. I, I guess the other thing too, because we see the whimsy also later on, like she's in a car for the first time and she doesn't know what a seatbelt mm-hmm. is. That was a good like scene. Blown away. Yeah, she's blown away being in a car and like she's like you know, she's like it air- looks like a spaceship, and then Joel's <laughs> like, no, it's a piece of shit, like Ford F three fifty or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was a good line. Um, but of course, like you know, he's they see an airplane and she's amazed by that, and he's like, yeah, whatever, planes kind of suck. And she's like, dude, you went in the sky, like yeah. that's outrageous. Um, so there's there's all of that. I guess maybe with a gun too, thinking about it now and with what you know, your counter argument, it's almost maybe to a desensitization to it. Like she's only ever lived in a world that is so incredibly violent. So maybe like that's less horrific to her. And I guess it kind of ties into where she finds that infected under the, you know, in that little, you know, hidey yeah, hole yeah. in the farm. And she just sort of like, cuts him open a little bit like there's no kind of like hesitation on her part of that being like kind of a gruesome thing to do whereas yeah i think otherwise like no normal no one would just do that like that's horrible but i guess for her like you know there's she's always had to live with that differentiation of like this is an infected person we kill them like on mass versus okay these are just like you know human mm-hmm. beings Mm-hmm. Um, yeah it's interesting too because I mean she obviously has knowledge as well that she isn't really susceptible to to the same to them the same way that regular people are you know and and maybe that was her first time she's really been around one and I mean it was pretty trapped and I, I mean I would kind of have a curiosity mm-hmm. of what they're what's what about them as well too right because there's some some form of their DNA or whatever it is inside of her at the time like she must have this curiosity about it in a way and there's got to be answers out there somewhere i don't know that's kind of how i think about Mm -hmm. it as well but at the same time yeah you're right like most people would have ran for sure especially since they could be infected by it um Mm -hmm. later on but yeah yeah and while we're down here in the basement too i just had one other little detail because we pointed this out we were watching it and it's just so cool like when she cuts into the infected and she just doesn't go very deep, but under the skin, there was like just a layer of fungus. And we talked to last episode about how great the way the clickers move and how like inorganic and like kind of freaky it is. Um, and I guess like, I, I don't know if this is also in the show, it's something, or sorry, in the game, but it's something I've never thought about. But because um, I always just assume like, oh, they take over the host brain and like that they're making them move, which I think is more how it works like with the cordyceps with the ants what it's based off of but in this version there's that layer of fungus like through seemingly throughout the entire body and so i love the implication that um like that's what's moving the body like it's not taking control of the body's muscles but it's animating it because there's that layer of fungus that's moving and it's just such like a a detail that makes you Mm -hmm. so incredibly uncomfortable yeah Uh, but like cool little world building detail just from like totally from like a just a shown not a not an exposition tell yeah 100 percent, and it kind of justifies too like why you need the headshot on these guys as opposed to like you know it's not really going to work to shoot them in the belly a lot of times like we've seen so far because they don't really need the organs right like it doesn't matter to them <laughs> if that gets shot because the fungus is just doing all the work and i guess there's probably some like core piece of it in the head or something like that when it goes into the brain who could say but it is a cool detail um 
But anyway, I, I guess we should get back to what happens with Joel and Ellie because when they do arrive at Bill's house at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. they they end up. Of course, they're going to come across what's happened here, right? And I, I thought an interesting detail too. Obviously, there's a a suicide note that's left by Bill, and and it, it mentions you know we've left the window open so it doesn't smell bad, but like please don't come in the bedroom. Uh, but the letter, like when when Ellie picks it up off the table, you know Joel is busy kind of looking around, and and Ellie picks this note up, and it just says on the front, it's like to whomever, but probably Joel. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's a good way to summarize. Like Bill never really wants to mention that Joel is someone that he respects or has gotten this kind of like friend relationship with. But I mean, realistically, Joel is the only other person that Bill's really had contact with you know outside of mm-hmm. frank for all these years i guess tess would have been included there too but realistically like joel mm-hmm. is the closest thing that bill has to a friend so it makes sense that he's leaving him this note and kind of saying goodbye and uh leaving him his truck and all this stuff but it was just something about the way they uncovered that note was pretty funny and brought a little bit of of uh humor back to the show after that that uh you know finale with bill and frank there but it was it was fun to find that note and and uh, see kind of what happens with them. I think Joel goes to make a battery and they they do the car thing after that. And it sets up uh, their next little adventure out to uh, find Tommy. Yeah, so that's kind of where we left off. And Joel's still on board of like, well, we're just going to Tommy and I'm going that way anyway. So you can come. But like, I'm ditching you on Tommy the, the, sec- the first chance I get. So there's still like, we're on the journey. He had his call to action last episode. We're firmly on the journey this episode but there's still a huge gap um to to be bridged between the two characters but yeah that that note was interesting i think i really love the concept of it but if i had one complaint about that episode i would say i think the note was a little heavy-handed and Mm i would prefer almost if it was a little bit more subtle because i think the parallels between bill and joel are already really strong throughout the episode um just in terms of who they're characters are in general and then with that like double date scene where they're the ones left outside and you see how they're talking to each other and they're both the gruff ones who don't want to be there um and they've got a similar kind of mentality and so i think there's already like strong connection between joel and bill um and at the end of the note it's like a really beautiful note and i i'm so glad that bill left it but it really does like very clearly outline like I am so glad I let Frank into my life and I decided to be with him. Like, you should do the same thing with Tess. And of course, the twist on that is that it's not Tess that Joel is going to let into his life. It's Ellie. Um, and so it, it's not like a direct one-to-one, but it's it still felt like, you know, Bill could have given that sentiment about directly saying, Joel, I think you should let someone into your life. Like, please do that for me. And so I just, That's I think point. like- it was maybe a, a little on the nose, um, it, it, but like that's such a minor complaint because it, it's just like if it was five percent less subtle, it would have been perfect. Yeah, but it was five yeah. percent a little bit like you know too obvious. But no, other than right. that, like that's a good yeah. detail too. And I, and I mean, if you want to take that even one step further, like would he have taken the time to even write Joel a note? Like he's spending the last night of his life with the you know his the love of his <laughs> life, and they both just took a bunch of pills and are gonna. You know, that, that, that's the end of it. And is he really going to take the time to like insert some humor and give Joel these instructions? Like Joel would have just already probably went and used the truck anyway, you know, like it's not like you had mm-hmm. to leave him the keys. But I think it was a nice little gesture and obviously connects the the plot a little bit more for the audience and whatnot. But I, I know what you're saying and you're right. Like it's a little mm-hmm. bit, a uh, little bit tell not show 
with that little bit at the end of the note there. But yeah, cool episode. And and the, I guess the last thing that kind of comes up that's of significance is because Bill has so many fucking guns strewn around, strewn around his house everywhere. He has like a little bunker at the bottom with like, I don't know, he's probably got like a hundred guns in there between like rifles and handguns and all this different stuff. He's like, it look like, looks like uh, the Punisher's armory down there. But, uh, <laughs> but Ellie, uh, after being denied a gun or any kind of weapon by Joel several times so far throughout the first few episodes, uh, she finally stumbles across in a little drawer the, the same gun that Frank had grabbed at one point um, when they were getting attacked. And so she finally has her own weapon. Uh, that's definitely going to come into play at some point. But Joel does not know about this. And that's something different than in the game as well because Ellie was never able to use... Or she never used guns in the game until you were playing as her later on. Is that right? Um, I think Or did she, she use one in Bill's? She uses one, I think, in one of the sniping sections or hmm. something. She definitely does use a gun, but it's explicitly only when Joel gives her one having denied her for a long time so yeah this is an interesting detail which is you know it's 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 a relatively just small thing that gets you know sped by pretty quickly but yeah that's a different dynamic because joel giving ellie a gun in the game is very much like a symbol of like i respect you and i trust you kind of thing whereas before like you know she saves his life at one point and uh, she's like, well, I could have had a gun this whole time and been helping you. And he's like, no, like, I'd rather you don't shoot me. And like, you know, he's just very against it. He doesn't trust her. So giving her a gun is a relatively like, important moment. Whereas in this one, she has just stolen a gun kind of under mm -hmm. his nose. So uh, it'll be interesting to see like how that plays out and what kind of conflict that creates. Because, uh, yeah, Dad Joel is going to be really mad. <laughs> yeah, he'll be mad Dad Joel then. <laughs> uh, I guess you could say it'll be interesting to see I mean it's one of those subtle little changes right and I appreciate them adding that kind of thing in because I mean for us like not that I wouldn't I was going to watch this regardless but it is enticing for those of us that have played the game to have those these little changes because it just spices it up that little bit and you can't always be exactly sure what's going to happen you know you're always looking out for like will this end differently than I'm expecting and so it's a nice little uh, bonus for us that way I guess too um yeah. Just an extra little point of tension of like, you know what, there's going to be a payoff for this at some point, another little detail to put in the back of your mind. And, um, you know, if you're not at least a little bit stressed at all times watching this show, you're not watching the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pay more attention. Oh, man. Anything else from episode three of The Last of Us Cater? Is that going to do us uh, for I this mean, one? That was a good one. I guess uh, the only other thing we can say at this point now is pose a question to you. Uh, if you had to pick a favorite episode so far... Uh, do you know yeah. which, which one it tough call tough call I mean I I think it would have to be this episode if I had to be honest like I I just loved the every moment spent with Bill and Frank I think was just a treat and I mean the first episode was was really cool but I think it was almost more of like hey let's meet the characters type of thing um and I found this one to be more exciting than the than the second one for sure but it's I mean the series as a whole has just been phenomenal so far but I think this most recent one was my favorite but how about you I feel like you're probably the same right it's such a tough question I I don't know I can't pick like one and three it's between mm -hmm. those they just do such different things like you know one is perfect for setting up Joel and Ellie and like giving us some background history on the world and the QZ and how horrible that is and then it's like well how do you compare that with like Bill and Frank's story that's kind of like like that 
what's neat about episode three is you don't have to watch the rest of the show. You could just watch episode three and knowing the context of what's going on and it totally would stand on its own and is phenomenal. But one is like maybe a really good start to the show in general. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have asked you that question because it's way too difficult (laughs) uh, and I regret it immediately. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Uh, But we would love to know what you think of the show so far. So if you would like to let us know which was your favorite episode, you can always do that in the comments down below if you're watching on YouTube. Um, or you can get in touch with us on Twitter, email, wherever you like, everybody. Um, all the links are below. Wherever you're watching, though, we want to say thank you very much for doing so and joining us for this third installment of The Last of Us TV show um, review. So we'll be back sometime next week to talk about the fourth episode and hopefully not have uh, shed too many more tears with an unexpected or sad death. But, you know, it's The Last of Us. Anything can happen. And we'll be right here to talk about it. So until next time, uh, this has been Cloud Control, the gaming podcast that's not just good. It's good enough, and we'll see you on the next episode.